Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. Another match against that team from Florida and another three points in the bag. Can Atlanta United continue their momentum in the cup final on Tuesday? We discuss all that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. Before we get into it, become a member of the notification squad by hitting the bell next to the subscribe button on YouTube or hop over from Facebook and subscribe. It's always great for Joseph Martinez to visit his kids. Joseph loves the kids. And so let's get into a lesson on parenthood, right? 1-0 again. We just, uh, it's 6-2-0 all time against Orlando City. Uh, I mean, at this point, yes, there's the, the talk of, okay, is this a rivalry? Is this all that? There's a lot of blood, bad blood, though, in between uh, all that, in between the lines, also in the stands. Uh, you know, lots of middle fingers being thrown, uh, lots of things, hate mail, death threats uh, being thrown about. And all the while, uh, you know, we just keep racking up W's. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, there's the one, I think it was the first corner of the game where Gressel's walking over and there's just the one guy in the corner by himself that just yells, hey, F you, and then waits till he's about to take the corner and right as he's running up to kick it, throws the bird and it's just like all on camera. Classy. Although by the end of the, end of the game, heard the stadium was empty and just full of a bunch of Atlanta United fans. And apparently Correct. there were Atlanta United fans everywhere, not just in this yes. supporter section, just all over the stadium. Yeah, it was... It, it, I think we filled it out more than they actually did because, yeah, it was about halfway empty. Uh, the tops of it were pretty much barren. Well, to be honest, so, the match kind of lived up to the stadium, if we're being honest, because true. it was a slugfest of, of an affair on a cow pasture. Yeah. It, it was bad. It Ugh. was bad. It, it's, uh, I think it was kind of Audi Field type of... Uh, you know, uh, kind of strategery that they were trying to do, maybe, but uh, it was it, terrible. It was terrible. It made it made the product look just absolutely horrid. Uh, I think it is understandable, maybe, why this game was buried on a Friday night, but uh, <laughs> a very hot, humid Friday night, like yeah. the type of Friday night in Orlando that literally sucks the soul from every player the second yeah. they stepped on the pitch, because that's oh. exactly what it looked like. Both teams, 15 minutes in, they just looked like. I was tweeting about it. I said, looks like two Sunday League teams that went out on a rager the night before and sure. still haven't recovered. Or alternatively, it looks like both teams were required to shotgun three beers before the start of each half because yeah. they look absolutely there was nothing. Yeah, no pace to this game. There was uh, at points where they were just jogging. Uh, but it's okay. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we got three points, so that's great. But uh, getting into it, um, yes, it was a slog fest. Yes, um, you know, in terms of... Uh, the general play, yeah, Orlando City kind of had the better chances for sure. They had 22 to 15 shots in total. Uh, yeah, five shots on target to R3. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, we probably were a little lucky to, to get all three points. But, you know, we were clinical when the time came. Uh, Jose Martinez arguably could have gotten a second one. I mean, that... Damn post. Yeah, and the pass from Tito later in the second half as well, which could have been a little bit better, and that would have put it, put yes. it to bed as well. If he had finished that chip, that would have been absolutely delicious. Yes. And that would have been two chips two years in a row where he just oh, yes. absolutely disrespects the two entire team. Two different types team. of chips. But two yes. different types of chips. But I think, honestly, like you said, the game, for me personally, it was just 90 minutes of crap with about 10 seconds of absolute quality from Barco and Joseph Martinez. Yes. But that's all it required. And sometimes if you're a good team, it's better to be, well, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. But I think in mm -hmm. this case, Atlanta United got its luck, but also it, it, mm -hmm. it's a good team. And when you're a good team, you ride your luck and get three points on the road. And that's mm -hmm. what they did. Thankfully, Orlando couldn't hit the broad side of a barn if they were standing in front of it, or really they couldn't hit the side of a barn if they were standing inside the barn. <laughs> because a couple times they had just... Guilt edge chances within the yeah. box, eight, six yards out sometimes, and they just shanked it every single time. Yeah, Askews and Alcadele, they were... Death uh, taxes in Orlando City just absolutely shit yeah. in the bed, It didn't, much. didn't matter which forward was uh, part of their front line. It's just, they're going to miss. It would help explain why their manager, when every time the, the, the TV camera panned to him, just had a sheer look of confusion, just like, what is going on? I don't know what's happening. He just constantly is in a state of, I don't know what's happening, because that's kind of how his team played, with how many chances they sure. created. And, it was not Atlanta United's best performance. No. The weather didn't help. The pitch didn't help. 
it's a rivalry game. They wanted to beat you. They need to beat you to try to get into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But you got three points. And at the end of the day, I think that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. You also, despite the game being kind of tight, you got Remedi off early. Mm -hmm. well, he was off at halftime. Yeah. He wasn't really having a great game, to be fair. And then you got Nagby off, which is, I think, at the time, a very interesting sub. But still, mm -hmm. to get Nagby any bit of reprieve yeah. is fantastic. So mm -hmm. you got a few players off and got some subs on, and you still managed to win the game. So that's the important bit. Very true, very true. And uh, also, Ezekiel Barco had a very decent game, I think, mm -hmm. as well. Uh, and the weight of the pass to draw the defenders for Jose Martinez's goal as well. I mean, class. Very, very nice. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, a little bit annoying to uh, see him, uh, you know, go on international duty as well. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, it's just pretty much every time he gets in a flow, then he goes on international duty this season. It's just kind of been the pattern, annoying as such. But, uh, you know, hopefully we can... Uh, win another trophy in the meantime when, uh, you know, before that happens. But, uh, you know, we, we talked about the, the negatives of this, of course. I mean, very jaded looking slog. I mean, just not uh, a lot of chances coming from us as well. Um, International break actually might come at a great time after the Philadelphia so. game because these guys deserve two weeks off. And I right. think, honestly, just give them a week to begin with to just not run and just relax, ice their bodies and do recovery yeah. work because they've had a hell of a two months of July and August. It's just been absolutely exhausting. It's a shame that, you, like you said, that you see Barco going away, but... International break could actually be pretty good timing. So could, we'll yeah, see. it'll revitalize, I think, the uh, the fatigued players for sure. Because you could see the shortcomings in this yes. formation and the style of play that we're having right now. Yeah, it if requires the team's exhausted and your wingbacks can't track back and mm -hmm. your center backs are getting in a lot of one-on-ones and they're also exhausted, then they just are getting pulled all over the shop and that's a recipe for trouble. And any other night against yeah. a better team at Lenny United might have had a pretty heavy scoreline against them. Agreed, agreed. And uh, and so that you know begs the question of should there have been rotation and whatnot. We'll get to that maybe a little bit later. But um, yeah, also one of the kind of negatives that you don't really like to see uh, was that Julian Gressel, he slaps Nani, which maybe deserved or not. Uh, Be honest, on the inside as an Arsenal fan, that's something you've wanted to see for so long. Yes, agreed. But, <laughs> you know, it's... Also, hold on, pause. <laughs> Thinking of Nani. So... I was watching the match with Felipe Cardenas, who is uh -huh. a Real Madrid fan, and I joked with him at the time when Nani had that super high boot that almost hit Gressel in the face. Yeah. He got sent off for less than that against Real Madrid in the 2013 Champions League, <laughs> and I'm still mad about it because we yeah. could have won the Champions League again uh -huh. that season, and he kicked a player in the chest, and that didn't even get a card, and his boot was by the man's head. Yeah, Nani is not known for being cool-headed. That's just, that's to be known. And, uh, so. and also, he would have gotten a yellow had Gressel gone down, so yeah, I'm fine true. with the slap because Nani was being a bitch. And yeah. I love Nani because he played for Man United, but like, honestly, dude, you're pulling the man back. What did you expect? Yeah, and so, yeah, there honestly wasn't really a call afterwards, uh, really. Uh, I mean, I, I think, yeah, they called a foul maybe. Well, Gressel got booked, which yeah. is a good yeah, thing. That's right. Because he got and booked, it means the ref saw it. Because right. the ref saw it, it means they can't go back and ban him retroactively. Exactly, and that's the beautiful part is there's, yeah, nothing happening uh, beyond that. So, good, 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 good on that. Uh, he escapes some kind of real serious, uh, you know, maybe uh, wrongdoing there. But, uh, yeah, and in, ter in terms of, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, anything else about this match, I mean, it's, it's it just... Was just yeah. <laughs> it's over with, and yeah. I think that's the best part. Exactly, and you we know, another season undefeated against Orlando City. So you know, not too bad, all in all. Have a nice Orlando. Exactly. But uh, getting into the post-match quotes, uh, Frank Gabor, he really talked about the the fatigue levels and the humidity and whatnot. Uh, he said, "quote We have to try to avoid that we are lucky, but again, you're going to have to." have these type of games during the season. The first half of it was really hot for us and you have to get used to it. I spoke with Eric Rometty and said that when you're pushing up and you have to track back, you were exhausted. That was not only him. That's fair. That's fair. Absolutely, uh, yeah, I mean, with that heat, with the pitch, I mean, How it's just- not a water break? Yeah, honestly. I mean, I, apparently there was 90% humidity like, that's what you have to do. Yeah, it's like 90, 91% humidity, 90 degrees at kickoff. It's like, just like... The players will pass out, but thankfully they didn't. Thankfully there wasn't an incident, but 
something else maybe should have, uh, something should have intervened. Like, refs should have been, uh, you know, alerted to maybe doing so. But uh, another quote he had was that, uh, well, uh, on moving forward with the lineup before the international break and persisting with this, uh, he said, well, that helps, of course. I want to always play with the strongest team, but I also look, you know, if someone really you think uh, that he's tired, uh, you know we have to rotate that on the squad. We can rotate, and I will not hesitate to do that, but we're going to see that now against Minnesota. Everything, our focus is on Minnesota. I just said in my pre-match meeting with the guys, don't think about that. They will go after us if we're not ready, uh, not ready yet, and we get injuries and we're on our front feet. We need to get a good result here, and then after the game, we're going to think about Minnesota. I mean, uh, yeah, I think people had some maybe thoughts if uh, the the players were thinking about the next match because of the way they were playing. But I think the at the end of the day, they were focused on this match, as you can see with the, the clean sheet in one sense. Yes, they let a lot of chances uh, go by, but there was also, yeah, the heat, the uh, the type of pitch that they played on. But also, I think the things. fans. I think that sure. the Atlanta United fans uh -huh. are actually feed off of the Orlando fans' hate. Sure. Because the Orlando fans hate them so much and give them so much more shit than they get anywhere mm -hmm. else from any other fan base sure. because of how at, for lack of a better term, classless they are at times. I mean, booing Justin Miriam every single time, understandable, I guess, but still kind of silly. But they love that. And you can see yeah. that with Joseph's reaction after the semifinal, the US yeah. Open Cup. They love that. And they love being in Orlando because they know it makes all of those people angry. Yeah. And I think they feed off of that as well. So of course. It, was, it was nice to see. And I think they were definitely focused on beating them because they don't want to lose just because they enjoy making fun of them, I think. Agreed. So. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, to speak to that, I think Justin Miram had the golden quote after this match uh, about hearing the boos from Orlando City fans. Said, really? That's crazy. I didn't hear it. They didn't bother me. They think they do. They're still upset. I've moved on and I'm feeling great. Again, every time I come here, I'm sure it'll be the same thing, but clearly I'm living in their heads right now, rent free. Uh, yeah. And he's playing on a team that wins trophies. Exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's almost a thing where if you are a player and you go to Orlando City, you have like a downturn in form. It's just kind of bizarre. And he and talked about that as well in that article uh, that Felipe Cardenas wrote for The Athletic. If mm -hmm. you haven't read it, you should check it out. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of great insight on Justin Miriam. And he mentions how there's multiple players that have had good careers in MLS, but then they go there and all of a sudden they don't play well. Yeah. So. It's really strange. It's uh, But, you know, uh, may it continue because... I don't care if they uh, they do well or not there, but um, yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it's just, uh, you know, we, yes, got a little lucky. Uh, they, uh, yeah, unlucky. yeah, very unlucky. They probably, sh probably should have scored at least uh, two or three goals, but they didn't. You know, we, uh, we were clinical at the end of the day. We walk away with three points, happy days. So uh, yeah, that's a bow on that match, and let's get into the news and into the standings where we're looking pretty good. Yes, Atlanta United is tied on 48 points with Philadelphia with that match coming this coming weekend, but Atlanta United also has a game in hand on Philadelphia, which makes it so much more important because if you can beat them this coming weekend, you are really sitting nice in the East. Unfortunately, our great friends in the New York Red Bulls, and looking at you, E, from the High Press Podcast, we were chatting, you didn't do your job properly uh. and couldn't score when they had easy chances, especially at the end of the game, and they lost to NYCFC, so NYCFC still has Destiny in their own hands because they have lots of games in hand. Although they did have a guy get a red card for headbutting someone, which was hilarious because he was confused as, why am I getting a red card? And it's like, dude, you just straight up Zidane that guy. Like, yeah. we have replay, <laughs> what were you thinking? Absolute yeah. idiot. And uh, NYCFC, yeah, they still have the possibility of getting the most points if they are able to uh, you know, win all those matches, of course. Oh, and DC United is completely imploding. Yeah. As everyone Which, uh, yeah, it could be a thing where, is it Wayne Rooney just, uh, he stopped caring. It could be that. Uh, it could be that just, uh, you know, they see the doom and gloom coming. Who knows? They've lost four of their last six. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think we're firmly in some way in the, the driver's seat, but it's just a matter of NYCFC. We just have to see what happens there. But uh, moving on from that, Joseph Martinez has won the MLS Gold of the Week with 83% of the vote. That's enormous. And that's even without the... Uh, you know, or the, the new 
uh, introduction of uh, the new CAPTCHA thing with like the robot stuff uh, to make sure you're not a robot. Uh, and then also not knowing the percentages. I mean, it's just Atlanta United fans just came out in droves or I guess other other teams' uh, fans as well voted for us as well. So who knows? I think the past oh. had a lot to do with it as well because the yeah. past was sumptuous. Oh, so. for sure, exactly. I think the it should be. It's like it. Some people sometimes I think uh, it's like you know um, it has to be just a crazy long distance uh, shot for it to be uh, you know a goal of the week or goal of the year, and it's just not always the case. It's like it can be a great play, it can be a great team goal. It doesn't have to be just one type of type of goal. So and he was just... extending a record, which again, he yeah. extended against Orlando to 12 games. Exactly. Yeah, so beautiful on that. But uh, yeah, and so going back to another match, uh, in the Portland match, Howard Webb, head of pro referees, he said that PT Martinez did in fact earn that penalty that we were all so contentious about. I know. It is ridiculous. Just that. put it in the game. Stop apologizing. Joseph would have two more goals now and be behind Carlos Vela. But no, keep denying them. What's it going to be next week? Oh, man, that should have been a red card against Atlanta United. But we missed it. Sorry. Just call it in the game. Yeah. You have VAR. Use it. Like the Premier League doesn't use it. Same difference. You get the point. Yeah, Stupid. We're apologizing. Yeah, the Prem's kind of dealing with the same shit that we're dealing with in our first year of VAR as well. And uh, yeah, the passion's being taken out of the game and stuff like that. Also, I apologize for your ears uh, <laughs> for Tanner's rant just a second ago. But, uh, but just it's deserved. during the game. It is deserved. So Like, it can't be that hard. It was obvious. Like, he yeah. was taken down from behind, through on exactly. goal. I mean, it's two matches in a row that they've missed it. And right. it's like, go look at the screen. What's the person the, the person looking at the screen saying? It's hey, true. come look at it. He got tackled from behind in the box. Especially the box. when it's the worst referee in the league. Yeah, and also, you know, a lot of uh, the player was taken down. There was not a touch on the ball. I mean, or if there was, it's a small, small It was not touch. enough. Yeah, and it didn't change the trajectory of the, uh, the path. So, yeah, either way. Uh, yeah, we need to get that sorted out, guys, pro referees. Come on, guys. But, um, yeah, moving on from that, uh, Darren Eels spoke to 92.9 The Game and said this gem of a quote. Uh, our identity is we're a team that wins trophies. That's what we are trying to create here, a team that is a dynasty, a team that can win championships every year. Music to my ears. Oh, my God. I... Yes. So let's never play like the first half of the season ever again. Exactly. Let's not, uh, yeah, try to deviate really hard from a, an ethos, a, a system. I mean, yeah. But anyway, um, either way, the word, the D word is fantastic. I just, oh, yes. You know, I uh, am a Atlanta fan pretty much uh, almost through and through. Uh, we're deprived of a lot of championships. And so this is something that's, yes. Let's do a lot of, let's do it, please. Uh, but anyway, uh, moving on from that, there's reportedly by uh, DSS that there's an NWSL team coming for Atlanta United. Uh, or at but least they're in preliminary discussions about Preliminary it. discussions, maybe. But uh, there was cold water thrown on that by the AJC very quickly in a tweet. And so we don't know what the truth is, but uh, you know the fact is, is that uh, I think Atlanta United could do well with uh, a women's team and should in the future. You know, I think it would be well supported and it's just a matter of getting the logistics and everything in tow. So uh, if it's not in you know the next two years, then still something should happen. So uh, yeah, and speaking of a first team, uh, Luis Fernando, he was spotted with uh, the, the team celebrating for the Campionas Cup. Everybody was wondering, or not everybody, but a few of us, eagle-eyed, uh, looking at you, Joey Macchio and CW3 for, uh, yeah, you know, giving us the heads up, but also it's just like, yeah, is a first team contract coming? And yes, it was. He now is a first team player. Uh, he is kind of more of a left winger uh, type of guy that Frank DeBoer even mentioned that He's probably looking, uh, looked at as a left winger slash left wing back. And so that's more depth in that department. That's great. Uh, and yeah, he's kind of that pacey guy that 
has a few tricks, maybe lacks the end product as of right now. But a decent cross on him in that game against Soap Park Rangers a couple weeks back for the Jackson Conway goal from the left hand side. Mm -hmm. Dropped it absolutely on a dime for Conway. It was yeah. a pretty good, pretty good assist. Exactly. And you know, so he's a guy that uh, you know has the potential. Is just if he can live into it. Uh, not the stats aren't you know eye popping at the moment, but uh, I think you know uh, we need some depth in uh, some a few departments. So you know why not? Um, it's someone that can come in if needed in our fixture congestion. So well, I see it as a, a good thing. But um, yeah, and also uh, on the day that Orla we play Orlando City, we announce that Jonathan Spector, a former player for them, is now, uh, he's joined the club as the head of international player recruitment and development. Uh, I think, I believe he's only 33 years old. And uh, yeah, but welcome to him. And I think it was, Super petty that they did that on the day of the game. It's an interesting <laughs> hire though because a lot of the core and a lot of the international players that we bring in are from Latin America and he doesn't seem like a player that really... He, yeah, he's, he's a U.S. men's international. Uh, he played a lot in the Prem though uh, for pretty much I think eight years was in uh, and around the... Uh, you know, the, the top league, yeah, in the championship. So, um, you know, there is a little bit of that. I think maybe some relationships have been built, perhaps. But uh, yeah, we don't know the extent of you know his prowess and maybe his connects. So uh, there is that. But you know, he'll be working with I think Carlos Bocanegra pretty closely. Uh, and if there's the kind of Latin thing that uh, he's lacking, I think Bocanegra has that in spades. So you know, it might be okay. But um, yeah, and also. Um, let's see. Yeah, uh, the Atlanta United Unified team also did the business against Orlando City with a mirrored locker room shot. Uh, I think almost a little bit more personality even than the first team. Uh, you have, uh, you know, homie, uh, I, I believe it's Antonio. Uh, he's eating some pretzels in the corner. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's always hilarious uh, every single time. If we play Orlando City, and generally we beat them, yeah, we take a locker room selfie. The unified Beautiful. team, you know, following them from the first team. They know exactly. what's up. They know what's up when that game happens. Oh, yeah. And uh, and also, uh, something I also love to see, uh, since I am a Braves fan, Dansby Swanson and Florentine Pagua kind of swap jerseys a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it's always great to see that type of collaboration. Florentine Pagua, who knew? Into baseball. So, uh, that's cool. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I, I wonder if people from Europe even, like, you know, are interested in baseball at that time. He's so. a pog, but they do what they want, man. Yeah, this is true. This is true. But uh, moving on to Atlanta United 2, they unfortunately lost 3-2 to Hartford Athletic on Saturday. And uh, Andrew Carlton scored his first goal of the season, and he added an assist for Brandon Vasquez, who was also back. Uh, he netted his third goal of the year for the USL side. And unfortunately, Carlton also got a red and, uh, yeah, was sent off. But, you know, such things happen. Uh, Sometimes it's like that. Who knows? Who knows what he it was almost for, completed but... the, If he would have only missed the penalty, it would have been the Luis Suarez hat trick. Goal, <laughs> missed penalty, red card. Nice. And then he just needed to bite somebody. Yep. Uh, but uh, LA United 2, they returned to action on Wednesday nights against Memphis 901. And Lagos Kunga, of course, is on loan there. And I believe he is able and eligible to play against us. So, you know, uh, good luck to us and also to him. Hopefully he doesn't score a game winner for them or anything like that. But uh, also uh, for LA United 2, lots of LA United 2 news really uh, interesting. But uh, they announced that midfielder Amir Bashti, who we drafted in the 2019 MLS Super Draft, uh, has now signed with the twos. Interesting because, yeah, he was not signed after the uh, Super Draft. And I think it was probably because of a few things of... Uh, maybe he wasn't seen as a first team player, but he is, I think, something that they want to keep an eye on uh, for the twos. So uh, either way, they kind of just let him go in limbo for a little bit of time. Uh, and then I believe he went to uh, a kind of Northern California team uh, that was in championship one. And uh, so, you know, either way, welcome back, Amir Bashti, and uh, hopefully you can kick on and uh, do something for this club. And um, yeah. You know, wish you the best of luck. 
But um, yeah, so also, so let's get to our buy or sell segment. And simply, we offer up a topic and we say if we buy or sell it. So first topic is, if we win the US Open Cup, getting Champions League is a good thing. Buy, 100%. Um, that's where this club wants to be. That's where this club aspires to be, is to testing itself against the best teams in CONCACAF. And I think this club wants to win the Champions League. They showed it earlier this year, but things didn't go well for you. You played the team that ended up winning. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was frustrating. But I think that as the league continues to grow, I think what happens at the CBA will be very interesting because that could potentially open up some more areas where Atlanta United can strengthen itself, but they want to be challenging those Mexican teams. And that's what they showed you in the Campeones Cup against America. Mm -hmm. And they beat Monterey in the return leg of that Champions League tie earlier mm -hmm. this season. So that's where Atlanta United wants to be. I know they want to win that trophy. So mm -hmm. that's absolutely a good thing because you're not sure if you're going to get it via the league, but you need to get there any way you can. So winning the US Open Cup and getting that would be perfect. Yeah. So I buy. Yeah. I, I also buy, I think it's also though, um, yeah, I know that there are some uh, people that are like, okay, you know, in this form and in the fashion that, uh, you know, the TAM and GAM and just our roster restrictions that we have currently for MLS, it restricts the possibility of us competing with the just enormous, uh, just, you know, transfer fees and salaries and just, uh, you know, the amount that these Mexican teams can spend. And so, yes, it is going to be difficult. And yes, uh, with that kind of uh, fixture congestion, you deal with, uh, you know, maybe not the results that you want there, and then your uh, results in the league suffer, then, you know, kind of what we essentially uh, dealt with early on this season, and a lot of MLS teams deal with uh, that are part of that competition. But I think at the end of the day, it's still a very, very good thing to be part of this competition. And the fact is, is that, you know, we put a lot of pressure already on uh, MLS to loosen up or create more uh, rules to kind of alleviate the problems that we're, uh, we're facing. I think uh, LA Galaxy are also a team that are, you know, creating those kind of pressures as they're well. They're creating new loopholes is what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, and that as well. Yeah, Christian Pavon, man, what the fuck? <laughs> but that's, that's what are not- What rules? Yeah, what, what are rules? But, um, but really though, um, yeah. I think at the end of the day, as many times as we're in the competition, that will gain us experience. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully MLS will notice that, yes, okay, like we need to help these teams that want to do well in this competition. Because you can see that it's fairly close to some degree. And then it's just a matter of just injecting that little bit of uh, the talent that we need. So next topic. Uh, we should have rotated the 11 against Orlando City by ourselves. Um, I'm going to sell it. I think ideally you would have hoped to have gone in and beaten them and been able to have a comfortable scoreline and rotated your guys out of the game. But with where you are in the league right now, you know you want that home field advantage in the playoffs because you feel so much better about it. Yeah. You can't afford to throw away that game in hand that you have against Philadelphia. And having, you know, hindsight being 20-20, a rotated side, you might not have gotten that result. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate, but you also lack depth in certain areas. I mean, guys that you would have liked to see rotated is a Julian Gressel, but who are you going to play there? You don't have anyone that can play there. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I sell that, because A, you couldn't have done it, I don't think, and B, you had to get that win as well. Yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's a sell, but it's a, with a caveat of, that uh, maybe we should have rotated a couple guys where you know we could have uh, given them a little bit more reprieve, but I think at the end of the day, because we uh, were able to get a Remedi and Nagby off of the pitch, um, you know, and get them some rest, I think is very, very good. And the fact is, is that we got three points. So, uh, you know, in hindsight, it all looks great anyway, so it's not a terrible thing, but I just worry for uh, Minnesota. I mean, it's one of those, the energy levels in this type of system, we need a lot of it. And it's just, we're gonna have to uh, kind of muster it from somewhere. And at the end of the day, we just, uh, yeah, you know, we'll just have to put uh, kick on and uh, hope that Brock DeBoer's decision-making is correct here. But uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, I think all will sort itself out. But. Um, yeah, let's get into the mailbag and simply you guys uh, send in your questions through IG story. Please continue to do so and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Live or Live Moss. Uh, who would you want 
ATL to play first come playoffs. It's tough, yeah, because it's a uh, there's you know, a lot there's a lot going on in the bottom half of the playoff standings because. Mm-hmm. Montreal recently sacked their coach, mm-hmm. and they now have Omar Cabrera in there. Toronto are just a mixed bag. Orlando, if they had a few results go their way, mm-hmm. could find themselves in there. DC United are falling apart, but they could still end up there, and they're just a bogey team for us. Well, they were for a while, but yeah. I think you're playing better. I mean, right now, if you had to pick a team to play at home, mm-hmm. I'd probably say DC, just because mm-hmm. they, they just don't seem to have their heads in it, and if they continue to struggle, they can, they might come in at one of those lower seeds and yeah. not be too fussed one way or the other. But at the same time, it's like they, they still are a dangerous team, but they have been woeful recently. Yeah. If you have had me pick one, I guess I'll probably go with DC just based on their recent form. Mm-hmm. But that being said, it's still hard to tell, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really want to be in a playoff uh, against Wayne Rooney ever because if he's just motivated, I've seen the horrors that he can, uh, he can achieve. So, uh, yeah, I don't really want to uh, to face DC United. Uh, Toronto FC, obviously, are currently in that spot right now. That would be decent uh, of a you know of a matchup. It's not uh, a terrible matchup for us, uh, especially Altidore at home. could be a problem, though. Altidore could be a problem. Uh, yeah, if they have an uptick in form, then, well, maybe they don't end up in the seventh spot. But I think the easiest one, probably, for us would be a New England Revolution, I think. Yeah. They, uh, oh, I forget that they're even there. Yeah, I know. It's really strange and how they're up there to begin with. I mean, Bruce Arena, I guess, is doing some yeah, good for them. That's a good pick. And that, that changed my mind, New England. Yeah. I forgot. It's just it, the fact that they're even in and about. Yeah. So that's just kind of boggles They're just mind. like ghosting in there and people are forgetting about them, which, I mean, might be a good thing for them. But it's also, I think they just kind of lack the overall talent to really do much in the playoff. I think they're there because the East on a whole has been pretty meh. Yeah, and so, you know, hopefully, uh, for me, it's a revolution. So, next question comes from A. Watkins2123. Who has been the player of the season so far, in your opinion? In my opinion, it has been Robinson. It's a great show. It's a really great show. Um, I'll let you take this one first. Sure, yeah. No, put me on the spot first. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, it's it could be Robinson. He has been a rock at the back, uh, although there have been some matches where it's like, okay, you know. He struggled against Orlando. Yeah, I think. He, yeah, he struggled there. He struggled a little bit, I think, at Portland a little bit. But I think it's because of just max, match fixture and uh, congestion and all that. It's just, it's tough. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's still, for me, Joseph Martinez, the guy who has finished off our chances to a regularity, um, you know, where would this team be without a Joseph Martinez? Like, it's the old saying, and I think it holds true, the goals win games, you have to have someone that finishes off these chances, and Joseph Martinez is amongst, if not the best in the league at doing it, so. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the, the most straightforward answer, has got to be Joseph Martinez, because yeah. it doesn't seem that really outside of him too many people can score goals consistently. You would have hoped that PT and Barco, for all the good that they have done in build-up play and the good form they have been in, they haven't really scored you the goals that you'd like to see to take that, some of that pressure off Joseph or to help your team score more goals and be more convincing. Mm-hmm. I'd say if you had to pick a player outside of Joseph, because I think he is the understood choice, I think yep. you could also say a Darlington Nagby, because uh-huh. if you take him out of the side, I don't know how the team functions up until it gets to the final third, because right. in terms he- of winning the ball back, controlling the tempo, bringing the ball out of, you know, through possession, just connecting, just the connecting lines. everything, yeah. you take either one of those two players out of the team I think this team is a whole lot worse off but I agree right. with Joseph Martinez but if we can't pick a Joseph mm-hmm. then I'd say Darlington that right and I think that that speaks volumes on what type of team we have like down our spine that's what a lot of people harp on uh, as being so so important in a good team is that your spine is really really strong and you have a Miles Robinson who's playing really well. You have a Darlington Nagby who's playing really well. And Joseph Martinez. And Brad Kazan and Ned, who's Brad. leading the league in clean sheets. Yeah, exactly. So With 12. Another one. Where's like, the 13 Is it 13? It's, it's 13, 13 now. now. So, yeah, exactly. And that's just beautiful uh, you know, to see. So, uh, next question comes from Matteo Andante. In what game will Bello make his appearance or reappearance with the first team? 
honestly, I have no idea. Um, depending on maybe how the cup game goes, he might be on the bench or in the 18 for that. I don't mm -hmm. know. But the thing is, is that Justin Miriam has been playing really, really well as a left wing position back. there. Yeah. And he, I think he's the best player on the team right now in that position. And in, mm -hmm. with as much potential and you know future that Bello has, Miriam is a better player right now. He's more experienced. He's he knows how to play in this league, and he's a bit of a renaissance man for Atlanta United. He's been incredible since he joined, and Dion Pereira hasn't been bad either. And, and he's gotten a lot of experience and played some decent match time as well. So I honestly don't know. I, I think that you could try to put him in there, but also you don't need to shoehorn him in there. If he's yeah. not ready, let him play at the twos the rest of the season and let him get back at the first team next year. Mm -hmm. But right now you're pretty good as far as who you have starting in that in your first 11. So yeah. I couldn't tell you to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think if we need uh, to play a four at the back at some point or something like that when a Franco Escobar returns, then maybe, yeah, you see George Bellow come back in because at that point, our wingbacks, we wouldn't use them. And so, you know, Justin Miram and Julian Gressel. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, if both are healthy, and by God, I hope they're they're both healthy, we're going to persist in our 3-5-2. Yeah. It's, it's just the system that suits this team the best. It yeah. is this system right here, right now. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, next question comes from Edwater V14. Do you see Vishalva coming back into the starting 11 anytime soon? Um, probably not for a couple of reasons. One, his knee is still giving him problems. Um, it, it was a pretty finicky knee injury, and from everything that I have heard, he still doesn't fully trust his knee, and if you don't fully trust your knee, then you don't need to be going out there and giving everything. I think that right now, he doesn't fit the system necessarily as well unless he's playing up front with a Joseph. Now, if you wanted to rotate the squad and say maybe rest Pity or a Barco, then I could see him coming in and playing there. But as the team is set up right now, I think he's best suited just coming off the bench the last 15, 20 minutes of a match against tired legs and exploiting that space in behind, which is a very, very dangerous and amazing asset to have on the bench. I just don't see where he gets into starting 11 right now unless we're yeah. rotating. Yeah, agreed on and all those. Healthy. Yeah, exactly, and that as well. Um, yeah, and especially that, that that's like what we're dealing with is not only the injury and his recovery, but also that, uh, you know, in terms of first choice, it's going to be PT or Barco over what Tito can uh, offer. And it's just the unfortunate part. We all love Tito. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, the logistics of what you can see and, you know, where he can come in. It's just not a lot of possibilities at the moment. Last question comes from Ab Outdoor. If MLS adds a fourth DP this year, what position do you go for? I'm thinking a wing back or CMD. I think you mean a uh, defensive midfielder or a CDM. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, go for it. I mean, I th honestly, from everything that I've heard, the players union wants the DP rule to go away entirely because they think it's stupid and it restricts teams, which I would love for that to happen. Um, if, just, just to go with your question, if they do add a fourth DP spot, where would I put it? I think a CDM would be great, but to find someone of the quality that you want to get them to play an MLS at that spot is very, very difficult because it is a very specialized position and they're very much sought after because in the modern game, how a lot of teams play, you need a very high level person to sit there. Um, I don't know where you would find that. I guess that's what the scouting department's for. So if you could pick anyone, I definitely would have it there because if you have someone like that that can sit back there, mm -hmm. break everything up, and distribute the ball, look at, say, a Fernandinho at Man City or mm -hmm. also a Rodri now at Man City, mm -hmm. you know, having guys that can sit there and dictate play is fantastic. That being said, yeah, I'd actually probably go with that. I just don't know where you'd find them because mm -hmm. you already have three attacking players that are yeah. on it and you're not going to spend that money on a wing back because it's the same thing. If they're a high-level fullback, they're not playing an MLS. Right. I think in uh, for this season, which is what you uh, mentioned, and for right now, um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely get a starting level, uh, starting level left back. I mean, it really would be... Uh, that's what would complete the team if we wanted to play in different types of formations. Uh, because Bello isn't quite ready, slash he's not recovering in time to be uh, kind of a factor maybe in the stretch run. Uh, hopefully he is, and hopefully he can uh, you know play a big part. But uh, if you're talking about right now, like that's kind of the flexibility that it would add uh, with someone that's really high level, and that'd be fantastic. I mean, it would allow us to uh, yeah maybe have someone sit uh, like uh, you know with that. Kind of uh, early on, Tata Martino uh, kind of tactic when we did play for the back. Someone sit in the middle of those two center backs and then let the fullbacks bomb forward. 
Uh, and if a Franco Escort is healthy, then it's, yeah, you know, you can have a field day. But, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a left back and, I mean, a central defensive midfielder, it, it would be helpful, but I'm not really sure that, you know, in this kind of setup, if it is persisting with a 3 by 2 right. we need one. If you play with a back four, then yes. But if yes. you're playing with a back three, you don't you, need one as yeah, much. Yeah, you only need central midfielders, really. I mean, that's you just need guys that are very mobile and can do everything. So, uh, But that does it for the mailbag and gets us to our Wasteman of the Week. Yes, our Wasteman of the Week. And I have been waiting for this moment for a very long time. <laughs> I didn't bring the note. I'm sorry, I no longer have it. I threw it in the garbage after we beat them in the semifinal because I thought, eh, it doesn't really matter anymore. My Wasteman of the Week goes to whoever watches this show because clearly you watch this show or you have at some point in time. And I imagine because Orlando City is involved, you're probably watching again just to see what we say. Don't send things to my work anymore. That's illegal and I have people that have nut allergies. It's kind of a stupid move. But to the person who sent me a package with some spray painted purple nuts and a note that says, Orlando City will win 2019. Whatever the hell that means. You didn't beat Atlanta United. And honestly, we don't really care because we never talk about Orlando City on this show outside of when we play them. And when we play them, we beat them, even when it's important, like the semifinal, which you didn't do there, and you couldn't do it here. So it doesn't matter. So you, whoever you are, random person on the internet, waste man of the week, go and do, go and do one, mate, because honestly, pretty pathetic to send something to my work and you not even back it up. Yep. Roser Pod is whatever it was. I don't know who that is, but R-O-Z-R Pod. That's oh. what it was signed. So to you, good sir. You know what, just have a nice, because your life is clearly miserable being a exactly. Lando fan. So, just good Very luck. much so. But anyway, that does it for Waste of the Week, and gets us to the match preview. It's another cup final, and you know, we're... Uh, what do those feel like, random Orlando fans? Oh, but uh, yeah, so we're going against our uh, expansion brothers in Minnesota United. And uh, it's uh, Tuesday, which is annoying me, actually, because uh, just... It's a cup final. Why are you playing on a Tuesday? You're bearing it, essentially. Did you know that when Manchester United won the Champions League and then the FA Cup and the league, you know, that season called the trouble where you win three trophies, potentially, knock on wood, we'll see. Um, that Champions League was played midweek? Really weird. Like, yeah. Think about that. Like, the fact. Bizarre. Bizarre. Like, yeah. really, really, really. I think it was a Wednesday. You're right? just, yeah. It's just like, why would you do that? You're, you're basically, you know, oh, you're saying that I don't want anybody to watch it. Yeah. Essentially. This game should be on the weekend because yeah. as far as I'm concerned, this is a really good game. Oh, yeah. And as much as we've been joking about it, Minnesota United is a very good, good. team. They did lose this past week uh, on, on Wednesday or Thursday, Thursday to SKC, mm -hmm. but that doesn't matter because in the U.S. Open Cup, they've been good yeah. and they've been scoring goals. They beat a solid Portland team in the semifinals to get to this point in time. Mm -hmm. You could tell they are up for it. It means a lot to them mm -hmm. and they want to win this trophy. And it is not going to be an easy match for Atlanta United at all. It will not. And, uh, yeah, so it is an 8 p.m. time as well. Another annoying part of that. I mean, it's just like, honestly, who, I mean, I get it because it's Minnesota United and so in terms of central time, like, yeah, you have to like find a balance. But again, like no one's gonna watch this, but hopefully we all do and all our fans do and uh, you know, both fan bases do all that. But either way, um, you know, I don't know outside of that if some of the other team's fans are. And that's the shame. But either way, anyway, uh, so getting into uh, our form and their form recently, uh, which, I mean, yes, it's an, it's MLS form, but still either way, I think it kind of plays a part into this competition because of just momentum. Uh, for Minnesota United, they have a, a very spotty, kind of up and down, inconsistent record as of late in their last six. A draw, win, loss, win, draw, loss. They're just all over the place, all over the shop. Uh, and for us, I mean, we've pretty much won five of our last six. So, ain't too bad uh, in that regard. So, we definitely have a momentum going. And, yeah, we have the experience of winning cup finals. And so, it's uh, kind of, hopefully, we can bring that in tow. But, um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the previous matchups, it's been kind of, uh, you know, uh, a little bit interesting, I think. You know, uh, not a little bit interesting, hell interesting. 6-1, our very first uh, win, our, uh, you know, just kind of record win for, at the time, anyway. First hat trick for Joseph. Yeah, um, and so we won 6-1 there. 
Uh, we unfortunately lost 2-3 at the Benz with a red card. Went 2-1 up as well. Yeah, with had the, those two goals. We had to go to our third string goalkeeper. Yeah, it was that just was insane. Thing. That was uh, Kyle Rainish. I'm just sorry. You, you just that was shocking and I forget crazy. he even plays for this. Like played he played, yeah, team. man. And uh, in 2018, uh, yeah, we played them to. A 1-0 win in on the, the freezing road. cold. In the freezing cold. LGP got sent off really early. Uh, yeah, there's been a theme of red cards in this matchup. It's very strange, but uh, I mean, two, not that much of a pattern, but still. So two out of four, 50%. Yeah, 50%. And then also, but this year we, you know, beat them three 0 So, but that game was a bit flattering at the end because yes. you had two goals go in late on. You had the Ikapara back pass, which Joseph just ran onto, and that was a horribly mistimed on his part. And he's a much better defender than that. And on the whole. They've been one of the better teams in the Western Conference. I believe they're currently sitting fourth in the in the standings Correct. out west. Yeah. So they are a good team, and like I touched on before, they're dangerous. And they have experience of winning in this building. And their coach is going to have them playing with definitely the us-against-the-world type mentality. Sure. And they will look to hold Atlanta United and then mm. break against them. Right. And if Atlanta United are tired, if Atlanta United are sloppy, they will not miss chances like Orlando City. Yeah. You cannot afford to leave this team space at the back because they've got some very quality players up front mm -hmm. that will look to hit Atlanta on the break, and that's mm -hmm. going to be their plan. And if it, again, yeah. It's going to be tough, and I expect it to be a very difficult game, but if Atlanta United can draw on their experience at the Campiones Cup, mm -hmm. that was a much better side in Club America, yeah. with all due respect to Minnesota, yes. and you beat them straight up. Right. It's going to be a different type of game, but Atlanta does have that cup experience, that cup mm -hmm. final experience to draw on that Minnesota doesn't have. Right. Uh, yeah, they're going to look to smash and grab. That's you know the tactic, and that's kind of how they play throughout the season, mostly anyway. Um, against kind of the you know more top sides anyway but uh yeah they love creating scoring chances and that's really what they are able to do they uh will try to steal the ball from us as well and so uh we'll have to really take care of it and i think with the Jonathan nagby in the middle hopefully he you know can do what he normally does uh but they're a team that doesn't keep a lot of possession they don't win a lot of aerial duels, which is actually kind of really good for us. <laughs> uh, especially if they're looking to smash and grab. It's interesting. Uh, but They've got speed in behind. Though. Yeah, they've got thing. speed in behind. And so, yeah, they will try to counter. Uh, but And also defending set pieces, they're pretty weak at. And they commit a lot of individual errors. So, kind of really good in that respect. We have the skillful players that can maybe draw that foul. Also good. Um, but it's also a cup final. And right. things can go out the window in a cup final very quickly. Exactly. So it's gonna be a yeah. It's gonna be that type of thing where we have to be very uh, weary and we have to make sure we keep our head cool as well. But uh, another part of their style is they love attacking down the right. Um, yeah, they take a lot of shots and they attempt a lot of crosses. But I imagine it's not really going to a you know a really target man, which. You know, you have Darwin Quintero, essentially. He's their talisman. He's their guy that, uh, in this competition, he scored six goals already. Yeah. That's outrageous. Uh, and Angelo Rodriguez also has four in this competition, too. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, we have to keep a really close eye on Darwin. Um, but for us, our leading goal scorer uh, in this competition is Brandon Vasquez. Who uh, I'm not really so sure he's gonna see a really large part in this uh, in this match, but uh, still either way, you know it will be, uh, you know hopefully he can be part of the 18 and you know he can feel like he's part of this uh, because he definitely was a part of uh, getting us through the early rounds. But uh, in getting into the injured players for Minnesota United, excuse me, uh, Kevin Molino, their midfielder, he's out with a left leg injury. And he's really the only guy that, so far, it seems like, that uh, is maybe going to be missing for them. And uh, for us, of course, Breck Shea is out. And what's going to be questionable is Franco Escobar, which I don't think he's really going to be playing. I mean, very questionable because he hasn't been training. Uh, he just isn't back yet, I don't think. But if he is, that'd be incredible. That'd be. Uh, but I don't know if he should start because that's just uh, maybe a little too soon if he hasn't gotten the, uh, the match fitness. But uh, getting into some of the match facts, why don't you uh, help me on that? Yeah, so Atlanta United have come in in really good form. They have won six of their last seven matches and have kept clean sheets in five of those seven matches. And again, it may sound like repetitive, but keeping a clean sheet is going to do you a whole lot of favors. And for Atlanta United, 
Getting that first goal, we've talked about it so many times throughout this pod. When playing at home, how important that first goal is. It's a cup final, it's a one-off, which means they have to go for it. If Atlanta United can get that first goal and can start to force Minnesota to come out and play, to draw them out, to create more space, that will help Atlanta United tremendously. Because as soon as Minnesota starts really opening up, that's where you're gonna have the Ezequiel Barcos and the PT Martinez is finding those spaces in between the lines to turn and to create chances for Joseph Martinez. So this game being a cup final against an opponent that you are expected to beat more than any other time, you have to get that first goal and cannot concede any easy mistakes. And Paul, not Paul, <laughs> Florentine Pogba will be targeted this game because yeah. they attack down the right, which will be Atlanta's left-hand side. So mm -hmm. whether it be Dion Prayer or Justin Miram starting on the left, mm -hmm. They're going to have to be very keyed in on where Minnesota United attackers are. Otherwise, Florentine Pogba is going to be left on an island doing mm -hmm. a lot of defending. And for all the good that Florentine Pogba can do on the ball, in the air, he's not the best one-on-one -on -one defender. So that's going to be something that they're going to go and into the pace-wise. Yeah, he's not exactly the quickest dude. Uh, and so yeah, Justin Miram and Florentine Pogba, I think, will have to stick pretty close to each other so that they can. Uh, kind of bail each other out of any type of situation that might be dangerous. Uh, yeah, and another big part, I think, is what our, our energy level is going to be because, yeah, we look pretty sluggish uh, against Orlando City and then now, you know, in our type of system, we're, we need to have really high energy levels to press to uh, do the things that we want to do and that's going to be very, very important for this match. Uh, and. A question is that, will there be rotation? I think Frank DeBoer is probably going to stick with a pretty similar thing uh, that he's had going on, like he said. Uh, and also, uh, yeah, keeping that cool head, super important. Uh, it seems like it's been kind of a thing, at least in my eyes anyway. So uh, anyway, that gets us to our predicted starting 11, which we kind of maybe allude to what our thoughts are gonna be, but let's get into it nonetheless. We, we agree 100% on where yeah. every player that we have starting in this yeah. 11, and we think it's going to be our strongest 11. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna have Guzana net, then LGP, Robinson, and Pogba across mm -hmm. the back. And then it's gonna be Gressel, Rometty, Nagby, and Miram. Uh, across wing back and uh, central midfield. And then of course your three DPs, Barco, Pity, Joseph up top. I think the only interesting thing you might see is instead of Hermetti, possibly a Lorenowitz, that's really the only thing for me that I could see changing from that just because Lorenowitz is gonna give you more of a positional discipline and, and mm -hmm. help you break up any potential counterattacks that they have. Right. But at the same time, you're expecting to dominate possession. You would want a little bit more going forward mm -hmm. and you're gonna get that with Eric Hermetti. Although then again, Larry does score bangers. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he did quite well in a cup final recently. So, you know, it might not be too bad if he actually uh, gets in there. But uh, I feel like, yeah, I mean, you know, I think to contain a Darwin, you need as much pace on the, the pitch. So it's one of those. Eric Rometty has that on the uh, advantage-wise versus Larry. And it will be in a controlled climate-sealed dome, so they right. won't be exactly exhausted immediately from humidity and yeah. heat. So. I expect the players to be very much up for this game as well. I mean, you know, They might have had an eye on this uh, throughout the week, and so uh, the time has come. The time has come to win another trophy. So what are our score predictions? What do you got? I'm going two to one. I think it's going to be a very tight game. I don't think we will keep a clean sheet because Minnesota has been playing well. And I think that the energy levels will be there, but I think it'll be just low enough for them to get a goal and it will be very nervy. But for me, it's a cup final. Atlanta United has that experience now. Coming off of a really big confidence boosting cup final against America at home, I think they're gonna be up for it. I think the quality is he's Atlanta United through and I think they will win another trophy. Two to one for me. Yeah, I I have the exact same score prediction, and I agree. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, our energy levels might not be where they're, you know, where we want them to be, where they're required to be. But I think we have the goods to see this out, uh, and I have a cheeky uh, kind of goal score prediction. I think that Florentine Pogba will get his. Wow, I'd love that. <laughs> I mean, defenders in cup finals, I guess. That yeah, would, that would have it just kind of happens. You know, it's just like it's you know someone's gonna step up. You know, you saw Larry step up. Love you the saw Pogba goal. Yeah, exactly. And he would lose his mind, I'm sure, and have the best time. So and it'd be a great dance. Yeah. You know, there'd be a dance. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know what kind of dance it would be. It'd be a dance. It'd be yeah, awesome. Some I'd love sort of it. Dance. But uh, so either way, we both have us winning another trophy for LA United, and we hope that is the case. Knock on wood. But uh, that does it for the match preview. <laughs> yeah, knock on his uh, on his head. Uh, 
But that gets us to the question of the day. And guys, the question of the day is this. Would winning the U.S. Open Cup and the Campionius Cup be enough for you to say that Atlanta United has had a successful season? For me, I still think there's a lot more to do in MLS and a lot more to do in the playoffs. But still, get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys have to say. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>